It's after 5 o'clock and it's a Friday celebration time. Yes, the weekend is about to begin, but we are not officially allowed to start until we ask the preacher. Ask the Preacher, brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church. Ask the Preacher with John Freed. John's out this afternoon. Sitting in is Jonathan Aligato. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. So glad that you're here today. I, I just want to encourage you to stay tuned in for the whole length of the program uh, because we're talking about something that's life-changing today. We're talking about the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just, you know, I want to read a verse here just to start out to encourage us uh, as believers, and it's from from Paul. I believe Paul wrote, you know, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. He says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So let us consider other believers. Let us encourage them. Let us cheer them on. Let us let us provoke them unto love and good works. And that, that'll be my goal here today is to give you hope, to give you a new sense of of, of fulfillment in your relationship with Christ, because I, I for one know, maybe none of you have ever felt this way, that's a joke, that sometimes in the Christian walk you can just get down in the dumps and you just feel dry, you just feel heavy. And I want to kind of unpack this thing uh, today and find out why is that? Why do we come into new life when we get born again? I mean, it's like walking through a Disney movie. It's like the birds chirping and, and the grass is green and the sky is blue and it's like you're in fairyland. And then a couple years later, the fires wore off, the joys wore off. And I, I just want to unpack this and, and figure out why. And I, I believe the Lord has showed me a few things here in scriptures. And, uh, you know, the gospel wants to transform not only, you know, our heart. The gospel is not only just to get us to heaven. Praise God, we're going to heaven. Amen. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is it's a brand new life. It's not a way just to punch a ticket and get to heaven, but it's a brand new life. It's a brand new outlook, a brand new perspective on why I wake up in the morning. You know, greater than just get me to heaven, the gospel wants to transform our whole reason for being and and the why behind our lives. You know, one of the greatest changes the gospel makes in a person is the change to your perspective of life and the people that you live with. One of the greatest changes it makes is the change to your perspective of life and the people that you live with. You know, and if he can change your perspective, if he can change your viewpoint on life, then he's already begun to change your life itself. You know, and what what the Lord really desires, I believe, is to change the way we think and to get us to live from a new place, a, a new perspective, if you will, to get you to wake up in the morning with, with a new motivation for being, not just to get me through the day, but Lord, what do you want to do today through me? What are we going to do today together, God? You live in me. You dwell in me. You, you, you can't be held back, so I'm not going to do anything to hold you back, but what can I do to glorify you today? What can I do to make your light shine today? Because you live in me. And then life becomes freedom. It becomes joy that it was always intended to be. You know, and I just, 
I've been I've been a Christian for for going on a little over ten years now, and me personally, and I've seen a lot of people in the body of Christ. You know, we just wake up every day. We're Christian, but we just wake up and we try to make it through the day. We just try to make it, and, and the next thing we know, life becomes a struggle, and we, it's almost like we have nothing different than before we got born again. We're back in the same loop of life, and then. Our our mindset, if we're not careful, our mindset becomes self-focused. The reason for the gospel becomes self-focused, self-preserving, self-centered, even to the point where our prayer life, catch this now, our prayer life, the motivation for our praying is need-driven out of fear instead of seeking God's kingdom first. And not trying to keep our own lives, but shining Christ in the midst of anything. You know, when 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 I pray, and my, the the basis for my for my prayer is fear. I'm 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 preserving my life. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't take my heart from my words. God is the only one that can save me, set me free, heal me, provide my needs. Yes, and amen. But I think greater than that, I think God wants us to have a confidence in his word and a confidence in who he is to know that I don't have to pull on God's coattail or, or, or try to drag his, you know, pull on his arm to try to get him to do me something, do something for me. He's already, go- he's already done everything that he's going to do for me in Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, in verse 10, I believe it is, Paul says, in him, you're complete. In Christ, you are complete. You know, because all the promises of God toward the believer through Christ Jesus are yes and amen. Christ is everything for the person. He's he's financial. He's spiritual. He's mental. Hallelujah. He's everything that you need. And I'm telling you, friend, if, if you're a Christian that just is, has been a little down in the dumps and you've just kind of got this bleh, this meh, you know, outlook on life, I encourage you, friend, that is not the way God has designed you to live and that's not the true purpose of the gospel. You know, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll get tricked into incorporating Jesus into our lives for our own sake instead of laying down our life, letting Christ become our life, and then letting him live his life through us. I mean, that's, that's the whole goal. Paul said in, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. And he said, Christ liveth in me. Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself for me. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, it says, To them God willed to make known. And just so you know, you are them. To them, that's to you, to me. To us, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory in the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, believer. Christ in you, Christian. The hope of glory. And if we can describe God's glory, which is just very simple, it's any seen or made known attribute or characteristic of who God is. 
More simple than that, it's seeing God. Seeing God is the glory of God because he's glorious. And if you see him, you're, you are beholding his glory. So what Paul's saying there, that, that it, it's, it's Christ in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of the world, seeing God. Amen. That's awesome. That is, that is such a bigger purpose than just waking up every day and going to work paying your bills, raising your family. You know, remember, remember Paul said, everything you do, let it be done unto the Lord. Jesus said, let your, let your good works shine before men, that they may see them and glorify your Father in heaven. So that's the whole purpose. The whole, the whole purpose is to glorify God. And no matter what comes my way, no matter what life brings my way, no matter how people treat me, no matter what's said to me, if I continue in this mindset to take life personally and to take the way people treat me personally, then I'm just going to make a bold statement here, guys. If, if situations and people are determining my outlook on life, but yet I'm going to church, I'm raising my hands and singing hallelujah, holy is the lamb, and he's not even, he's not even the one determining my outlook on life. The people and the situations that I'm in are. Is he really my Lord? Have I really laid down my life? Or am I stuck on deriving my sense of self, deriving, deriving my sense of value and my sense of purpose based on other people, based on situations? You know, because you can actually see your need for Jesus. You can say, man, I've got a sin in my life. I know that, that I need to be born again. And you get born again. See your need for a Savior. You yield your life to God. You're born again. And fail to have a change of mindset and a change of perspective. Fail to become love. You fail to die to yourself. You fail, you fail to lay down your life and live your whole Christian life with a mindset that is contrary to, to, to the kingdom. You know, Jesus said, if you truly desire to be my disciple. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny, he didn't say the devil. He said, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Now, when he said take up his cross daily, that kind of, you know, for us as in Western culture in America, it kind of goes over the top. But if, if you were in Roman culture or in Jewish culture, you'd understand that. More accurate, he's saying, if anyone's going to come after me, let him deny himself and go sit in the electric chair. That's how we would understand it here in America because they knew that that cross represented death. They knew that to follow Jesus represented dying to the old me, dying to the old mindset and the way I think, and, tell, and telling myself, you know what, I'm not living for me no more. I'm living for his glory. I'm living for his kingdom. And I tell you what, friends, that's a place of freedom. There's no freer place than to not live for yourself because self-centeredness, self-motivation, self-motivation, self-perspective is a zero, man. It's, it'll always be an up and down ride because it's all about you. Well, with that note, I hope I haven't offended you, and I hope you'll come on back to the program. We're up against a break. Feel free to call in, guys. The number is 682-1430. Now let's get back to more of this afternoon's Ask the Preacher program brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church. 
John Freed's out this afternoon. Sitting in is Jonathan Allegato. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher. So excited to have you with us today. Um, just want to encourage you to, like I said, stick around for this whole thing. You know, some 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 things were said in, in the begin, the first segment. And uh, I'll tell you, friend, if you'll just hear this, you will be set free from some things that, that maybe have plagued you for a long time. You know, today we're talking about the gospel. And, and more, more specifically, we're talking about the, the, the change that it brings to your perspective on life. You know, praise God, it brings change to the inner man. It brings change to your spirit. Your nature's renewed. Hallelujah. You've been created in the image of God. But deeper than that, now we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the the way it affects my motivation, the way it affects the intentions and the motivations of my heart. You know, the Bible says that that God looks upon the heart. He looks not on the outward man; he looks on the inward man. He looks on the motivation. You know, not necessarily what you do. He he looks at why did you do that? What was the motivation for that? And the whole goal is to let everything that we do be done in love for the betterment for the for the for the good of our fellow man for our neighbor. You know, that's what Jesus came down here and, and did. Jesus modeled a life that we were created for. Jesus was the pattern son. He was the blueprint that that every other born again believer should look like. You know, he came down and he said he he came to reveal the Father. And and he shows us what life looks like when we would seek first you know God's God's kingdom, when we would seek God's dominion in our lives instead of our own well-being. You know, because the truth is, guys, we're not called to be fair-weather Christians. We're not called to be Christians for our own well-being. Now, praise God, there is there is blessings, glory to God. But greater than that, we were we were recreated in the image of God because He wants us to be a blessing. He wants us to be the outflow of his power. He wants us to be the embodiment of his presence. You know, if Jesus was on your job, what would that look like? That's the way it's supposed to look like when you show up. When Jesus went to the gas station, what would it look like? That's the way it's supposed to be for the born-again believer. You know, we're not called to be fair-weather Christians. We're called to shine in the midst of everything and anything. So for the purpose that the whole world would see and glorify your father. He would, they would see and glorify God in heaven. Well, how are they going to see God? They're going to see him through you, believer. They're going to see him through you, Christian. They're going to hear him say what you say. So, so just always you know, be ready to pour out. Be ready to, to say what God is saying to somebody's life. You know, because if, if, I seek, if I seek my own well-being... If you seek, if we seek our own well-being, then we're only as good as things are going. I want you, I'm going to say that again. I want you to think about that. If I'm a Christian for my well-being, then I'm only as good as things are going. And if I need people to treat me well in order for me to be okay, then I'm only as good as they're treating me. And now I, I'm letting people and circumstance control me, yet I'm calling him Lord, and he's not even the one that's running my life. You know, this is, this is, this is when I, we get reduced to praying for help out of self-preservation instead of responding and shining in the truth of the gospel 
in the face of all things. You know, I think about, I think about these guys in Acts, the disciples. Jesus had, had ascended. They had recently been baptized in the Holy Ghost and, and fire, and they were out in the midst of the cities. They were preaching. They were healing people. They were doing the same thing that Jesus did because the Bible says that he was a corn of wheat that would fall to the ground and die and produce much fruit. So these, these boys are his fruit. These Christians are his fruit. And every seed produces after its own kind. So they're doing the same things that he was doing. And they run into a little bit of flack from, from the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And they told him, hey, guys, you, uh, you better chill out. You, you better calm down. You better stop you know, preaching in this name and doing this stuff because you're, you're t- kind of edging up on our reputation. You're edging up on our cushy little lives and our finances. And uh, if you don't, we're going fl- to we're going to beat you up. We're going to take your, your finances. We're going to we might hurt your family and you might Im- might even end up like Jesus did. So they bring them in. They they you know, they, they threaten them and listen to this prayer out of Acts chapter four and twenty nine. They said, so now, Lord, listen to the threats to harm us. Empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Think about that. They didn't say, so, Lord, now listen, look at the threats upon us. Please protect us. Why aren't you with us? Why is this bad thing happening to me? They didn't say any of that, man. I'm telling you. They said, so now, Lord, listen to the threats to harm us. Empower us as your servants to speak your word freely and courageously in the midst of whatever we're going through. In the midst of whatever they're going through. You know, Jesus died for us because he knows the truth about us. He knows the truth. You know, I think about when I read that in Acts where they said, give us boldness. I think about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they didn't bow the knee you know, they didn't kiss the, the gods of Baal. They wouldn't bow their knee to Nebuchadnezzar. And he threatened them with death. And they wouldn't. Down to, down to the wire. I mean, they took it down to the wire. And because of those three young boys' faith and their belief on the God that they served, a whole nation was turned. A whole nation's heart turned because of three men. That'll speak today, Christian. That'll speak today, believer. We don't need many Christians. We just need a few real ones. Because I, you know, I don't buy a dump truck full of salt to season my food. I just need a little bit of salt to change the flavor of my food. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. So if we can get a few, a remnant that would stick together and just stick to their, you know, their convictions and just be what Jesus made us to be, we can change culture. It's not hard. We just got to be sold out. We got to be ready to face persecution and whatever comes and say, you know what? I'm going for this thing. I'm going to live with a greater purpose. I'm going to live with an eternal purpose that will stand the test of time. Hallelujah. Jesus died for us because he knows the truth about us. Because, you know, think about this. Nobody pays pays more for something than it's worth. And the value of something is determined by the price that was paid for it. Think about that. So if Jesus shed his blood for me, for you, for the whole world, then he didn't do it because he was frustrated. He did it because he valued us and he knew our created worth from the beginning. Well, guys, 
I'm tired of these things. These brakes, man, they sneak up on me. I'm in a roll, and they just roll up on me. So we're right up against the brake. Do me a favor. Call in, 863-682-1430. We'll be right back. Now back to Ask the Preacher for this Friday afternoon, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. John Freed is your regular host. He's out today. Sitting in is Jonathan Alagato. Yeah, man. So excited to be here. So excited that you're here with me. So excited you're listening in. Uh, today we're talking about, you know, my favorite thing in the world, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the very thing that, that changed my life changed me into a real man when I, when I thought I was one, but yet I was a little boy. Well, that's a whole nother radio show. So, you know, today we're talking about the gospel through the facet of the way it changes my perspective, the way it changes my mindset, and it gets me to look through the lens of God's eyes concerning my life, concerning the people in my life, and concerning the circumstances that happen in my life. You know, because I don't know about you, but but I, I want to have God's perspective. I don't want to live with this false sense of reality. Though I'm going to heaven, you know, praise God when I die, I want to live with God's perspective of, of truth in my life today so that I can know what God thinks, what he sees, what he feels, you know, and I can live my life from that viewpoint because that's the greatest viewpoint. I mean, there's nothing greater than truth because Jesus said in John chapter 8, 31, 32, he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's the truth that sets you free. But but if I can add on to that, uh, Pastor Wayne used to say, it's the truth that you know and do. It's the truth that you know and do that sets you free. Because what good is truth if you don't act on it? What good is the truth of God's word if you don't put it to use? It's of no effect. It's of no good to you. As a matter of fact, James said it becomes deception eventually when you know what to do, when you see God's word and you don't do it, eventually it becomes deception to you. So getting back to the point of, of, of you know, before the break where we're talking about why Jesus did what he did and, and, and what was the whole purpose of the gospel, you know, and we talked, so we said this, we said Jesus died for us. Because he knows the truth about us. He never lost sight of our created value. He never lost sight of our purpose from the beginning. You know, when God created man, the Bible doesn't say that he was just playing with some dirt and he sneezed and there was a man. No, the Bible says that he created man in his image. He cre- in his image, he created them in the image of God. Not head, shoulders, knees, and toes. The very purpose, the very core, the very nature, the very being of who God was, he put inside of mankind so that mankind could be just like him. Now, not in every degree, but in most degrees, and surely in the area of love, surely in the area of purpose. So he made man, and and that value and purpose that he made man with could not be undone because of our weakness and our sin. And that's why Jesus came. He came to restore our created value. He didn't just come to get us to heaven, guys. When you live with the sense that I'm just I'm just a Christian to go to heaven someday, you have no purpose. You have no goal here on the earth. 
You have no drive. You have no conviction because you're just waiting to get to heaven someday. And there's no driving force behind your life. There's no passion behind your life. No, Jesus came to restore your value. And just because man messed up, that doesn't change God. Man can't change God. That's why God can change man. You know, and just like Jesus, we were created to reveal the Father to the world. We were created to be the visible image of the invisible God, just like Jesus was. Jesus said, greater things, you'll, you'll do greater things than me because I go to the Father. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit. And he says, here's all my tools, guys. I've showed you how to do it. Now you keep on running. Here's the baton. You keep on doing it. You know, he didn't just die because we were sinners. He, he died to restore a truth that got covered up with a lie when, when Adam sinned and self got added to the picture. Because before Adam sinned, he wasn't even concerned about himself in the nth degree at all. But sin enters the picture. And then, you know, the, the guy that was created to be love now is in need of love. Now he needs love when he was created to be love. So, you know, God must see the real us, not through, through the lens of mistakes and wrongs that, that, that sometimes we see ourselves through, you know, through the, through the hurt of loved ones or circumstances that don't go right. You know, we can create this sense of ourself through those things. But God doesn't see us that way. God sees the real us. He sees, the, he sees us through the eyes of love, and he sees us through the eyes of purpose. That's why Jesus could do what he did on the cross. That's why Jesus could, went, could have went through what he did. Because he wasn't looking at, at circumstance. He was looking at the value of what, he was, of what he was purchasing. Because the very ones that he created were beating him, mocking him, scourging him, and even to the point of murdering him. And he never once said, I've had enough. I'm not doing this for these people. These people are evil. I do nothing but good, and they treat me wrong. You know, they want Barabbas. He's a murderer and a rapist and an insurrectionist, and they want him instead of me. I ain't done nothing but good, God. Why did you even send me here? I'm not dying for these people. You don't hear him. You don't hear that in Jesus. So my question is, we as Christians, why do we... Why do you hear that in Christians. Why do we hear that in Christians? Christians always offended, always upset, always, well, they said this, and you don't know what they did, and brother, if they hadn't have did that, then I wouldn't have, la, 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 la. Well, tell that to Jesus, man. Go tell Jesus that, because I see him hanging on a cross, bleeding and dying for the very ones that were hanging him on it, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but... It looked to me like they know what they were doing. It looked to me like they were pretty purposeful in their actions towards him. But he must have seen something that we can't see. He wasn't looking at their actions. He was looking at their purpose. He was looking at all of humanity for all of eternity and the reason that they were made. And he wanted so much to get them back to that, that he gave his life. He gave his life to restore what he did, you know, because Again, we were made in his image. We were made to be like him, and he wanted friendship. He wanted fellowship. He wanted a relationship. But, but sin enters in, and, and the whole picture gets twisted, 
And now Adam, instead of being the expression of love, Adam is reduced to self-preservation. Instead of being love, he's in need of love. And the truth is that, that every seed produces after its own life, after its own kind. You know, God put Adam in the earth as a seed, but the seed got messed up. And that seed that was supposed to produce God's image, God's righteousness, is now producing self-image, Satan's image, unrighteousness, and, and it passes on down. That's why he had to get a new seed in the earth. His name is Jesus. He's called the second Adam. He's the, he's the second seed. He's the one that could not be corrupted. You know, that's why Jesus said you must be born again. You know, because truth, truth is every one of us are born into this lie. And not one of us had a clue to who we were when we were born. And, and all of our lives, we try to figure that out along the way. And, and we gain a view of ourself. We talked about this earlier. We, gave a, we gain a view of ourself based upon people and circumstances in life instead of the love of the one who made us to be like him. You know, if, if as, as believers, if, if you're looking... For, for the evidence of God's goodness and God's love for you, any other place than Jesus on the cross, you're never going to find it. Because you cannot determine God lo- God's love for you by what you see and how you feel. You have to look at His Son on the cross and determine that that is God's forever stamp stating, this is how much I love you. Don't ever question it again. I don't care what people do to you. I don't care what happens in your life. Never question that I love you. And when you, when you find that conviction and you find that solidarity in your heart, it will change the way you treat people. It will change the way you treat situations. And honestly, it will change the way you treat your relationship with your father. You realize, man, he's so good. He's so kind. All this stuff in life, this is not him doing this to me. It's just life. And sometimes life sucks, quite frankly. But I know that even though life changes, he never does. So I'm going to anchor my heart. I'm going to anchor my soul into him. So no matter what comes my way, no matter how wavy the sea gets, I can walk upon the sea because he never sinks. He never changes. So I'm going to stand with him. Hallelujah. You know, that's why you must be born again. Because once we're born again, me, quote, doesn't exist anymore. Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and starting in verse 14, says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all. Well, why did he do that? It says, so that those that he died for should no longer live for themselves, but live for the one who died for them and rose again. You see, there's the freedom. There is the freedom of the gospel because it takes my whole motivation for my life out of me. I'm not living for me anymore, so so circumstances can't, can't discourage me. They can't change me. Because my, my, my encouragement, my joy, my fulfillment doesn't come through situations. It comes through the unchangeable one. It comes through Him and only Him. 
So I just encourage you guys, think about this. Get alone with the Lord and talk to him and say, God, I want you to give me the perspective that Jesus had. I want you to give me the motivation that he had, the intention of his heart. I want that thing. You know, Paul said in in Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Climb up on the altar again and let God point to some things in your life, point to some mindsets, point to some motivations, and deepen your relationship. Hearken unto him, and he'll, he'll answer you, and he'll show you some things in your life that maybe need to be pruned off. And the greatest thing about pruning, though it may not be fun in the process, that when all that dead stuff that gives no life is taken away, when, when God you know, helps you to, to get rid of some things, the end result is greater life to the things that are good, greater life, greater energy, greater, greater passion to the things that give life so that you're not hanging around. Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, he said, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your weary souls. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, why is his yoke easy and his burden light? I'll tell you that when we come back. We're up against one of these breaks again. 682-1430. We'll be right back, guys. But now it's the fourth and final segment of this afternoon's Ask the Preacher program, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. John's out. Jonathan is in. Yeah, I am. I'm in. Hallelujah. Praise God. Good to have you guys here on the on the show with us. I'm so glad for those of you that stuck around or maybe you just tuned in. Today we're talking about the gospel and the way it transforms my perspective on life, the way it transforms my motivation for living, you know, the way it transforms my why do I get out of bed in the morning and it gives me passion so that I can see the way God sees. I can live through the lens of God's eyes. And before the break, I asked you a question. I said, well, why is Jesus's yoke easy, and why is his burden light? And we'll just go over these scriptures again. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Well, I want to go back up to verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Okay, okay, Lord, you are God. You're, you're Jesus, and you're gonna, I want to learn from you. And he's telling them, learn from me. And this is what he tells them out of everything that he could have told them. He could have told them infinite wisdom. He could have told them of his infinite power. He could have told them what eternity was like, all that. But what he said is, learn from me. I am meek and lowly. I am meek and I am lowly. I tell you, friend, there is, a, there is such, such liberty in, in, in being hu, hu, having humility. Not false humility, but truly dying to yourself to where just because you didn't get picked for the promotion or just because, you know, somebody said something uh, sideways to you. You don't get offended. There's so much freedom when you die to yourself. And Jesus said, 
follow me, take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest. You'll find rest in humility. You'll find rest in humility. And the, the cool thing is that when the Bible says that whoever takes the low seat, God will come and give them the high seat. God will exalt you in due time. You know, maybe that person doesn't see your value, but God does. So why don't you just rest and glory in that? Jesus said you'll find rest for your souls. That's your mind. Man is a three-part being. Man is a spirit that lives in a body and possesses a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So when, when I become gentle and meek and I quit living for myself and thinking that everybody and everything is all about me, and I choose to die to myself more and more daily, the more free I get in my mind. Hallelujah. Jesus' yoke is easy because he's meek and gentle. He's not carrying around expectations on other people, and he knows that people weren't put on the earth to make his day. As a matter of fact, he came to the earth to make our day. And just like him, you are put on the earth to bless other people, to see the good in other people, to speak life into people, to let the river that's inside you. Remember in John 7, 38, Jesus said, those who believe on me out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. You know how many thirsty people are in the world right now? I walk around every day and every chance I get, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus because so many people are thirsty today. So I encourage you, friends, I encourage you. You know, what happens to a river when you dam it up, the water gets stagnant. The water, the water can't move, and it, and it gets still, and it starts to grow fungus and algae, and eventually it turns into a marsh and a swamp. So one of the keys to freedom and to joy and to fulfillment in the life of the believer is to sharing about Jesus and evangelizing and witnessing so much joy and peace you'll find in that when you let God speak through you you'll let God talk through you on your job or at the gas station you know we don't have to wait for an event to share our faith we don't have to wait for for a celebration to share our faith I encourage you, next time you go pump gas, there's probably going to be somebody next to the pump that you're at. And how, how dependent are you willing to be on God? You say, well, what would I say? What would I do? What if they reject me? You know, we could talk about all those things, but just forget all that. And just believe that God in you wants to speak to that person. The river inside of you wants to flow. In Ezekiel, it says that there's a river that flows. And anywhere that river flows, it brings life. And I tell you today, friends, that that river is inside of you. That river wants to flow. God wants to bring life to the world. And he wants to do it through you. My name is Jonathan Alagado. It was a pleasure being with you today. There is a special meeting tonight. We've had six days straight of special meetings at Believer's Fellowship. The meetings start at 6.30. I really, really encourage you guys. God is doing great things. 
great things at these meetings. So why don't you just come and get filled up so that you can let the river flow. Again, my name is Jonathan Alagado. This is Ask the Preacher, and it was a pleasure talking with you. I hope you have a great Friday. We'll see you next time. Yeah.